Hey, good morning, Christ Fellowship. Good morning. Um, well, it's, it's a great day. It's been a great weekend, hasn't it? Anybody enjoying the uh, nice weather outside a little bit? See some red noses out there occasionally. Uh, yesterday we had uh, the resurrection party. I got to come to about you know a little piece of that. It was awesome seeing the uh, seeing all the all the all the kids. I came in on the dance party, um, which was you know I remember having dance parties. Where's my daughter? We had dance parties in our house. You know, just I, I guess that's just what you do when the guys are little. You know, it's and and all the all our stodgy when we're older and we get stiff and and you know. Uh, you know, but when we're in there with our kids, man, we just go for it. It's like, you know, and uh, seeing Darren Keys shake it up yesterday. It's fun, good stuff. Um, so, Amen. This is, it's, I, I love what our uh, just our children's pat. They're doing a great job, uh, Aaron and Nicole, and everybody, Cassie. Everybody's involved with that. Hey, open your Bibles up to, uh, I'm going to start with John 3.16, but then we're going to move over quickly to Mark chapter 11, verse 1, and uh, again, Micah just said that about Easter, again, just, you guys, we're starting a new series next week, it's called, Is There More? And the answer is, (laughs) yeah, there's more, more life, more freedom, more, all these different things we're going to be talking about in that Easter series and following, so great time for people to come to see new life happening, you know, baptisms like crazy, invite your friends, it's a great time because, you know, even the coming in on the beginning of a series sometimes is a, a way for people to connect and just so really excited about that and uh, okay, so John 3.16, I could probably get somebody out there to just quote it, but let's throw it up here, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. So, God is the giver. And today we are going to be talking about the amazing generosity of God. Isn't He good? God is so good. And, you know, so one of the things you see in, um, and I'll just say this to you before I read this next passage, is that we are a people who move according to a different time as Christians. We have a different clock than the rest of the world. And our clock is, it, it is according to what Jesus has done. You know, and really a lot of the world moves according to the same clock in terms of the just regular time, but we have, uh, it's, it's the incarnation. It's Jesus coming into the world that we remember every single year. We orient our lives to this. We orient our lives to this week, Palm Sunday, Easter week, the resurrection that comes, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the uh, Pentecost, the coming of the Spirit. So all of these things are just ways that we order our lives. And this today, the triumphal entry of Jesus on Palm Sunday, some 2,000 years ago, is another part of this ordering of our lives. Let's read this passage together. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, And Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Tell him, The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back shortly. They went and found the colt in the street, tied to a doorway, and as they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? 
They answered as the Lord had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks out on the road, while others spread branches they had cut from the fields. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord. Father, bless the reading of your word and open our hearts to be changed by your powerful word. In Jesus' mighty name, and we say together, Amen. Amen. Okay, so why did I read John 3.16 first before talking about Jesus coming into the the, the city of Jerusalem for the triumphal entry? I, I want us to get this thing about he gave, his generosity. So he is a giving God. And in Jesus Christ coming into the city of Jerusalem, it is very much the picture of God giving us His Son. He's the giving God. That's what He does. And so Jesus comes into the world, Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and Jesus comes into the temple, all in this first scene. And how do the people respond when they see Jesus? There's some different responses there. And how do we respond? When we see Jesus, and when we hear this story on Palm Sunday, you know, and the whole story of God, I just want to say, is the story of grace. And I'm going to say why grace and generosity are connected here in just a minute, but it is the story of grace. It really is. Um, This is kind of what it's like. I'll tell you a story of grace. Years ago, long ago and far away, um, no, years ago, I mean, it's probably been almost almost 20 years ago, I was playing in a band at the time with a guy named Tom Davis, and he had produced the first 35 or 40 Vineyard records in, back in the 90s, when you guys were born, you know, back in the 90s. Uh, vineyard music was like real popular worship, man. We were into, they just were, it was awesome. And uh, kind of like Bethel or Hillsong is now, that's what Vineyard was back then. And uh, so I was playing in this, this great band, and we did conferences all over and everything, and the electric guitar player was a dear friend, and just, and in fact, he ended up becoming one of our worship leaders for about seven years, Barry and his wife, Michelle Patterson. And, uh, but uh, the Lord, we were in this season of giving, Kim and I were, and just, it was kind of unprecedented in our lives. The Lord had led us to, to just kind of give away some stuff, and and so we were in this time of just giving to different people. Sometimes it was anonymously. Sometimes it was we'd let them know. And on this particular occasion, the Lord led us to give a gift. And it was, it was a big gift for, for us, you know, to, to, uh, but it wasn't like, you know, over the top. But uh, we were led to give a gift to Barry and Michelle. And they were just kind of newly married, hadn't been married a long time. And, and, but they needed that, that, that money. And it meant so much to them. And money, I just want to say, money's just a thing. But it's amazing what it does when you use it in God's, like, it, it, it was just a thing, but it really deepened our friendship. It just, it wasn't like I was buying a friend, but it was, it, it just opened us up. They were so thankful and so grateful, and it just started this, this cool friendship, and I mean, a couple of years go by, go by. In fact, later, I mean, they end up naming 
uh, one of their sons after me. You know, Samwise James. And uh, so just a really cool friendship. But uh, a couple years later, we were at a, another big conference, and Barry's amp goes out. And uh, we're like, oh, man, I mean, it's game time. It's, you know, the, the, it's time to suit up and go out on the field, whatever the metaphor is. And uh, his amp is out, so we go to the, the amplifier store, the music store, and uh, we look at this little, this is going to get a little technical here for just a second, but we look at a little PV, tweed, 30-watt uh, amp, and uh, just good, good tone. He very plays to it. Hey, man, what do you think about this? He does his little licks and stuff, and uh, sounds good. And it's like 400 bucks, you know. And then he lines this other one up. It's a Mesa Boogie uh, Maverick 112 combo, 30-watt also. It'll rock, you know, <clears throat> and uh, lines it up and plays. But it's like more than twice as expensive. It's an it's ex it's expensive amp. And uh, he plugs it in. And just plays, goes through his paces. And he goes, hey, man, be honest. Can you really tell a difference between these two amps? And I was like... Yeah, you really can. <laughs> I mean, it sounded good, but this sounded great, right? So he ends up buying this one because he, that's, that's the money he had to do it and gets that amp, and we got through the conference, there, you know, did the recordings and all that stuff. sounded great. And, uh, but I, I, I listened to that thing. I was like, man, I need a new amp, you know? And so Barry had a Connect in Alabama, and he was going to help me get one of these amps, but even cheaper. And so... Uh, we, I give him the money and everything, and he calls me one day and says, it's in, it's arrived. And I go to his house, it's in a box, and, and uh, take the box unopened home. And I open up the box when I get there, and instead of the PV amp, there is a Mesa Boogie 112 combo, Maverick, in, in that. And I open, I tear the box open, and I, I'm, I'm in disbelief. I mean, I'm, I'm going, what, what does this mean? And... And I call him, I said, hey, man, what, what's, wh what is this? And he goes, just the Lord led me to bless you. And I'm telling you, I just, I lost it. It was one of the most sacrificial gifts I've ever received in my life, that, that amplifier. And it was something that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, it, like, it's not like something, I'll be happy when I get the, the, the Mesa Boogie. It's the amp I play up here. I'll, it's, it, I'll be happy. And that's like, what was that? 12, 13 years ago, something like that. But it just, it, it welled up in me an unbelievable gratitude, thanksgiving for this unbelievable gift of grace. And, and it's sacrificial. I mean, they didn't have that kind of money to be throwing in. To, and he just was just filled with joy in the giving. You know, and that's, that's a little taste of what goes on when we give. And then the gift itself, it's just a thing you know, sometimes, but, it's, but it leads to this unbelievable uh, gratitude and thankfulness in our hearts. And, and here's what I want to say about this, and this is kind of the, the, the thrust of where I'm going with this message today, is that in the Greek, uh, there are, there's what, the words we use, generosity, gift, thanksgiving, and gratitude, it's all the same word in Greek, charis. It comes from the same root. So charis is, is the giver, or it's generosity. And then charisma is gift, or charismata is gift. It's got that same word, charis in it, ma, or charismata. 
And then even thanksgiving and gratitude is the word eucharistia. Eucharistia. And you can hear eucharist. It's where, it's where we get the word for Lord's Supper. It means thanksgiving and gratitude. Does that make sense? So all three of these words are intended to be, it, it flows out of one idea, that when we're generous, when we're givers, and we give gifts, that it wells up in generosity and thanksgiving and gratitude. Remember the story at the beginning of uh, 2 Corinthians 8 that Paul tells about the Macedonians? He says that even out of their poverty, they had been so touched by the grace of God that they, that just welled up in generosity in their hearts and in, in, in gratitude in their hearts that they pleaded with us for the privilege, even out of their poverty, of giving to you. Isn't that good? You know, and, and he says, but that's just like Jesus, who though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor so that you could become rich. It's just, uh, it's, and it's just this, the way I like to think, you could think of it as a cycle like this, or you could turn that cycle like that and think of it as an upward helix of growth. That when we're generous, when we give gifts, it, it rises up in, in gratefulness and thanksgiving in others. And God wants us to be that kind of a people that are experiencing his amazing generosity and responding in incredible thanksgiving and gratitude in our own lives. And then jumping in on that thing with other people as well. That's where this is going. It's a huge, uh, you know, let's just say money. Let's take money for example. It's, again, it's just a thing, but what it does in us, what it speaks about our hearts. You guys, generosity is always a test of character. It's always a test of character. Am I going to be generous? Am I going to catch the generosity bug and be generous with others? Or even, am I going to receive the generosity of God? In His great grace. Or am I going to stay on the, you know, on the wheel? You seen a wheel? Can you see the wheel a little bit? I'm working. I'm running. When God's wanting to just lay it all out there for me. Get me off the performance wheel of wearing myself out. Do we take God's grace and generosity for granted? That's the test. Or will we be transformed ourselves? You know, our, every good and perfect gift comes from where? God, the Father of lights. And so, the, at one level, what I'm saying, it, like, make, it gives me joy to say it because it's so true. And at another level, I know that it's a subversive message because our culture is constantly not thinking this way. You hear little echoes and little whispers of it, but not really. It's really more get, 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 acquire, you know, do, you know, do these different kind of planning schemes and, and so that there will always be enough out there. You know, if I do it just right, if I work hard enough and do this hoard thing, you know, and it's this generosity message is very counterculture, right? It's very God. Because that's the way God is. For God so loved that He gave. That's, way, that's part of what it means for us to be shaped and be formed, to be transformed, to be conformed into the image of God. We are going to be givers. We're going to be givers. So here's the main thing. During this Easter season, God wants us to remember His amazing generosity and to join in the cycle of grace, the cycle I've been describing, the cycle of grace with Him, 
and with others. So let's look at this few little pieces and then we'll wrap this up with some ministry today. And just hopefully, just Lord, help us to all jump in. I just pray the, 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 the yes and amen would be in our hearts by the end of this thing. So first of all, the cycle of generosity. God is the giver. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His one and only Son. So, He's coming into Jerusalem. Jesus is. And people are seeing it. At least some. They're, they're going ahead of Him. They're shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. It's a crazy scene. He is the King of glory. He's coming into Jerusalem as a king, not on a charging warrior horse, but riding a the foal of a donkey, right? Donkey's colt. And so it's a crazy scene. The king of glory. It's upside down, but he is being recognized as the king. And five days later, what happens? Y'all remember? He's the king coming into Jerusalem on the donkey's colt. I'm, I guess I'm kind of turning sideways. I, maybe you do it like this. Um, uh, I'm such a farmer. <laughs> um, but he's coming into town... And in one minute, he's recognized as the king, and the next minute, five days later, he's crucified on the cross. It's, 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 it's a mind-blowing story, what's going on here. And God the Father leads out in sending the Son. He is the giver. And in giving the Son, think about all of the other wonderful and incredible things that are loaded into that gift. Just, what's loaded into the Father giving the Son? Let's just, let's process out loud, just like it's a little, there's ten of us. There's not, but jump, throw something out. Eternal life, absolutely. In the giving of the Son, God gives eternal life. Freedom from bondage, from sin, from addiction, in the giving of the Son. What else? Redemption, Absolutely. Love, a picture of it. He shows, he shows us what he's really like. An example of how to live. This is the way humanity should look. Forgiveness. Absolutely. Because he gave the Son, we aren't destined to live in shame and guilt and just under, under all of that for all of time. Instead, we're forgiven. We get to throw off the grave clothes and walk in new life freedom and hope, forgiveness, all of those things, all of that's loaded. You know, even ultimately, we believe not just in the renewal of us, but the renewal of all things. You know, new heavens and new earth, even the earth itself and how we're supposed to be just, when we start to catch this, we want to live in ways that, that mark us as stewards of the earth. Stewards of, of just resources and, and, and caring about the way things are done and art and jobs and, you know, the, just it, it mat, all that matters now. It all matters about how we, not just what we do, but healing people matters. You know, I just want to say, again, to validate all the different vocations, think about your vocation, teaching young children, you know, doing medical work. You know, there's, there's a number of, I'm just, a lot of medical folks 
You know, just that, that, that's, those are healing things. Uh, building stuff that, that makes things beautiful. You know, I was uh, uh, in, uh, we had a life group thing at the Birds, and Chad had built this deal out there, and uh, it was just, it was beautiful. And we were just out there in just a little porch. That's probably not the right word for it, but thing. It was, it was all, I, I texted Chad, I said, man, it was, it was beautiful. And that's what he, that's part of his setting out on this, on this business thing, you know. Um, so, so all of that, all of that matters. And um, so he's, he's starting in our hearts. God is the giver, and he starts the cycle by being the giver. That's where it starts. Starts the cycle by being the giver. The second piece, God is the giver. God is also the gift in the Son. God is the giver, and God is the gift. So he comes to town there the first time. So really, I'm just painting a picture of Jesus coming to town three different times. Um, I don't know if that's the best way to say it. it just, that's the way I put it on the outline on Thursday. But, but he, he comes to town three different times. So look at this. The first time, I just mentioned, he goes to Jerusalem, looks, goes to the temple, looks around. He's just been welcomed as the king, but nobody's there to meet him at the temple. Silence. Kind of interesting. And all of this, you know, if you go to Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, you'll realize that the Lord had promised to come to the temple. It's about 400 years earlier. Malachi finishes the last written uh, piece of the Old Testament. So he, he writes this, this prophetic uh, book, and this is one of the things he says. See, and he's basically speaking for the Lord here, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the, of the covenant, whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Okay, so they were expecting the Lord to come. They just weren't expecting him to come as Jesus. They wanted the Lord to come, but then when the Lord comes, he looks around and there's nobody there. And part of the Balakai promise is that he's coming with, you know, what's he going to come with? Some judgment? Or is he going to come with mercy? All of, that's, all of that's up in the air. And so Jesus comes the first time. What's going to happen? He leaves. And then he comes back into town a second time. Let's read a few verses. Mark 11, verse 12. The next day, this is Monday now, they were leaving Bethany. Jesus was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but, but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the, fr- the, the tree, may, you, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard him say it. Now that's interesting because the fig tree kind of represents the Jewish nation and Israel and all of that. And it's an interesting thing that, that this, the Lord's coming and is he coming with judgment? Or is he coming with mercy? And there seems to be some foreshadowing here that, that there's judgment coming. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. So, okay, here you got him in the temple, and now there's some more judgment. These things aren't right, and they need to be not happening here. There doesn't need to be all this selling stuff going on and, you know, all the money changers and all of this stuff. Turns over the tables 
and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry on merchandise through the temple courts. And he taught them, and as he taught them, he said, it is, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. He's quoting Isaiah 56, verse 7. But you've made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they heard this and they began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city. Okay, wow. So Jesus comes to town a second time, right? He goes the first time, it's silence. He goes the second time, and there's more judgment kind of stuff going on. Judgment against the fig tree, judgment in the temple, you know? And so one of the things I think that we're going to see is almost any time we are in a place of generosity, there will be a temptation or a choice for us to be generous and to be giving and, uh, or, and merciful or to, be, uh, to bring judgment. And there's, there's always that choice. I'll say some more about that in just a minute. So that's what's going on here. Then Jesus comes a third time to town. Third time coming to town. And so this is verse 20. In the morning, then now it's Tuesday, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Now, I just want to say parenthetically that I'm not surprised by that. I mean, this is the word. He is, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. So if he says, you know, nothing's going to grow on you anymore, then it's going to happen. I'm not surprised by that, but, but it's a picture. Look, you, you, you brought judgment there, and it, and it happened. And so Jesus then goes on, and he says, Have faith in God, he answered. So they're not at the temple yet, but they're standing there, probably Mount of Olives, looking across the way. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, which mountain? So they're, they're, they're looking now at the, at, the, at the temple mount. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now, part of what I think is happening there is that Jesus is facing this, this decision of mercy or judgment and bringing all things absolutely to an end. If you say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea, it'll happen. But look at what he says next. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So, judgment or mercy. I think what he's saying is, Mercy. Because he goes to the cross. He could have just said, I mean, what if he can call one angel, and you know, in the Old Testament, one angel wipes out 185,000 Assyrians. Uh, he can deal with, you know, he's talking with Pilate, he says, don't you know I could call 12 legions of angels? It's not that he can't, he, he can do what he wants to do, and yet he chooses mercy, chooses to go to the cross and uh, stand in for us and for humanity. 
and take our place and bring an end to Adam and brings us into His life and brings us into forgiveness. And in Christ, we can be free from condemnation and shame and guilt and all of the things that go with our our humanity apart from Jesus Christ. The, The insecurities, the 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 not feeling forgiven, not forgiving others, not receiving mercy, not giving mercy, not receiving love, not giving love, all of those things. But that's changed because of what Jesus did for us. And so he goes on to the temple the third time and they arrived in Jerusalem. And this time the teachers of the law, the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you the authority to do this? And basically, it is an all-caps rejection, trying to spell it backwards, of Jesus. He is rejected, and yet he still goes the way of the cross, absorbs, absorbing that rejection, absorbing that hatred, absorbing that pain, ultimately in being killed you know, on the cross uh, for the sins of the world. Okay? So that's, that's God is the gift. Now here's the, here's the cool piece then. Um, and that is that, G, that, that God is inviting us into this cycle of giving and responsive generosity and grace ourselves. So He invites us into the cycle of grace. Giver, gift, thanksgiving. Let's say those three words together. Giver, gift, thanksgiving. Now you don't have to know the Greek words charis, charisma, and eucharistia. Doesn't matter as much, because we don't speak that language. But it is important that you remember giver, gift, and thanksgiving. Because that's the cycle. There's a giver that initiates. There's a gift that's a part of that. In this case, it was Jesus. You know, but it can be a financial gift, or it can be time. It can be, you know, who you are, what what you have to give. You give that in, in different ways. So God invites us into this whole process Um, It's an invitation. And with an invitation, you guys, there's always a decision. Uh, John, could you flash that slide up there? I show this from time to time. It's from Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God, which is a great little workbook, book, and, and just he has some great pieces on hearing God. And so whenever, you know, God's working all the time around us. He's always doing stuff. That's what God does. He's doing stuff. He's been working in your life in ways that you didn't know. And then all of a sudden, the light came on. You're like, wow, God was working through all of that. So God's working, and he desires a relationship with all of us, with Lucas and with Heidi, you know, all around the room. He wants a relationship with us, and he's giving an invitation. So there is an invitation in this whole cycle of grace. The invitation is, will you join in on this? God's speaking it. He's bringing that word to us, will you join me? And the interesting thing is, number five, is that to actually stand there at the crossroads, it'll be a crisis of belief. Am I going to be generous? Am I going to show mercy? Even though they don't need, or not that they need mercy, even though they don't deserve mercy? Or do I judge and hold back? And that's, That's the Christ of belief. And we have to adjust our lives then. And when we do that, when we actually obey God and jump in with Him, that's when we experience God. That's the process of experiencing and growing the upward helix of growth in God. So Jesus stands there 
and he chooses mercy. So there's a, you know, it's, it's this thing. We're, we're called to jump in this cycle of generosity with God, but we're also part of actually doing that isn't just that it's with God, it's with, it's with people. That's kind of how God says, you're going to know how you love me by the way you love others. And so it just becomes real practical. You know, it's going to be Adam or Laura or, you know, James or Matt, you know, or Bob, Emily, just around the room, just different names and, and real people of actually jumping in with generosity and, and uh, showing mercy to them. Jesus chooses mercy. And it doesn't, I do want to say this, because it doesn't mean that judgment isn't still in the picture. Judgment is still in the picture, in this whole picture. Like, you can choose to reject God's mercy. Hell is a reality. Hell is real. And, and darkness, separation, gnashing of teeth, those are kinds of, those are, that's the, the language of going, no, God, I reject you. That kind of language is for those who reject Christ. But the mercy is also real. It's for everybody that, that says, Jesus, I believe. I put my hope and my trust in you. You see that? So Jesus stands there, and in choosing mercy or judgment, he chooses mercy for all of humanity when he could have just wiped them out. And it's good. So where I'm going with this is we all have a... We, we come to a place where we, not just in receiving God's mercy, that's going to be part of it, but also we have a choice uh, when we stand at the crossroads ourselves. Do we do, we do judgment or do we do mercy in different, with different people in our lives? So in, in giving, let's just use giving money for an example. That's practical, isn't it? So I look at Dennis... And I say, Dennis need, has some kind of need, and I've got resources in my life to help fill that need. But I'm, I'm going to go, is Dennis worthy of my gift? I mean, has he been living a good enough life? Has that been, you know, you see what I'm saying? And so those kind of thoughts, we may not say it that explicitly and that bluntly, but is he worth my gift and my generosity? Or here's another one, in forgiving. Is someone worth, uh, Dennis and I have a good relationship, so he's, he's, I'm sure he's absolutely worthy. If you need to give Dennis a gift, give him a gift. Everybody's like, well, I don't want to be called on next. <clears throat> but in forgiving, I've got another choice. Are they worth, are they worthy of me forgiving them? Do I show them mercy or do I enforce judgment against them? And the, the sad thing is, in enforcing judgment against them, I can't show them mercy and I don't show them love because I can't love them and judge them at the same time. I can't love them while I'm being unforgiving toward them. And so we want to go the way of Jesus Christ who showed mercy when he stood there in front of the guys that, I mean, this is the Lord coming to the temple. This is the Lord in the flesh comes to the temple, and they say, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? By what authority are you doing what you're doing? He's the Lord, God Almighty, in the flesh. 
It's hard, man. I mean, it's just, ah. And you you enter into this. That's why we tell this story. We come in here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and we orient our lives to this story. Because when we leave, there are so many competing things coming against us, so many things competing for our allegiance. Give your allegiance here. Live your life by this story. And Jesus wants us to orient our lives to Him to the way of the cross, to absorbing what comes against us and responding with love and peace and grace in a way that changes the world. We're like, we are a little city. That's what we are. We're like a little city, a little polis. It's, we're, we're political in that sense. We're not Democrats or Republicans. You can do whatever you want to do on that. And you can hear some of my feelings in it because I'm just not oriented to that being the change that the way God wants the change to happen through us. First and foremost, through us. I believe it from the depth of my being. Um, So, uh, um, what does it look like? Um, Generous forgiving. Generous giving. Generous mercy. Generous love. Generous friendship. It looks like time. You know, I mean, in our culture right now, time. We're so unbelievably uh, distracted. You know, one of the things that's coming out of, for me, and I'm not just everybody, but in this Lenten season, where I I shared with you guys I was going to give up Facebook and Instagram, just little things. But it's like life has gone on for me. Like it's okay, you know. And it does, I'm not like down on social media, but it's just distracting things that are pulling us away from hearing Jesus, living life in the Spirit, being who we're called to be. Yeah. So time. Money. It looks like money. It looks like giving and gifts and receiving and the, the gratefulness and the thanksgiving that happens as a result of that. It looks like being a blessing, speaking words of blessing. Us using, let's use some technology to bless people. Just to say, thank you. Man, and just encourage people. Use words of blessing. May you be this or live this way and have that kind of uh, uh, life-giving flow happening in our lives. It looks like helping. It looks like serving. It looks like people using their gifts to help build up others. It looks like thanksgiving. And I, I do want to say, this is, and I, we talk about this from time to time, but what I'm talking about right now is a language that you have to learn. You, you have to learn it like you learn, uh, I've been, one language I've learned recently is voice command. You know, it's where you talk and you do the text and you say, hey, hey, Kim, comma, just want to let you know I'll be home this afternoon, period, exclamation point, rather, sorry. Um, you, you know, you, you learn, to, it's, it's something you learn, to, and gratitude and thanksgiving is a language. The cycle of grace, it's a language that we learn through practice and through using our, yeah, I just want to say, and I'm going to be hitting this in the next series as well, but we learn a lot of times not so much what we think we're learning, not in our heads, but in what we're doing. 
our bodies, just the, what, what we, our practices. And so there's going to be something about just actually giving some money away, giving your time away, to, uh, being generous, like to actually just doing it, going for it. And just, you know, could there just be a, I just dropped this, just a, a, a generosity bomb in our midst. You know, whoa. I want to just bless somebody and just see what happens, you know, as a result of, of, uh, of us just experimenting in that way. Um, you know, I think some of us, we understand this because we've been forgiven so much. You know, it's just great. We understand grace because we've been forgiven so much crud that happened in our lives. And others of us, we understand it because of generosity. You know, we've just, we're, we're a, a giving people. And so, and maybe it was passed down to us from our parents, you know, just that taught us to be generous, giving, giving people, you know. But either way, it's all the same kind of idea. It's all that chorus idea that I'm talking about. Um, I, again, I, I, the generosity bomb set that thing off, detonated it's, it's so practical for us. Be the giver. Be the gift. Offer the gift. Offer, gener- offer gratitude and thanksgiving when it comes your way. And just let's, let's practice that stuff. I want to finish with this story. We'll have some ministry. But uh, this is, you know, so a lot of us, we have stuff to overcome because of what has happened in our past. Could I just, just throw your hand up if that maybe had some, about three of us. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, so let me tell you a story about Kim. She gave me permission to share this story. But when she was 13, um, her dad left her mom. And she, part of her story is remembering when the door closed for the last time. She's 13 years old, and she was sitting in the living room when the door closed, and the door handle, she saw it turn from the outside as he closed the door for the last time and left their lives. There was a couple more wives. She, he was out of their life. She had to go to work to actually help pay rent in, the, on their, in their house. And, you know, it's just, that's a hard thing. He abandoned them, left them. You know, some of you guys totally relate to that deal. And it's, you know, it's just, it was hard. He was out of our lives. The, he was out of our lives for a lot of the time the, the kids were growing up. Just, and, uh, and we prayed for him all the time. And after about 10 years of prayer, 10, 15 years of prayer, he gave his life to the Lord. was baptized into Christ. That helped. It really did. I mean, it just, he, he, the, a lighterness on him. You know, but it was still, he was distant. It was just, how do you, I mean, all those years of not being there and all that stuff. And, and then about five years ago, he gets uh, early onset Alzheimer's. And so Kim is forced with the decision then, this is a mercy or judgment decision. I want you to see this. Because her brother can't take care of her dad. And so the decision then is on her to now be the caretaker for her dad who has abandoned her, you know. And it's just, she's standing there at the crossroads. And I remember us working through that. It wasn't like, oh yeah, just mercy, grace. I mean, there was stuff to work through. We had to pray on that thing. It was hard. It was hard. You know, and yet God, it's the cross. She was able to absorb that by the grace of God and then honor her dad 
and become the caretaker, doing his finances, all that stuff, taking care of things, helping him get into assisted living, you know, going to visit him two hours out there, you know, at least monthly, sometimes more, you know, just that, that kind of uh, a lifestyle that was a change in lifestyle for her in order to, to help him. But you know what's happened in that is gratitude's been rising in his heart in the way that he can show it. He's a, I mean, one of the more introverted humans on planet Earth. Um, just, he's very introverted. Uh, you know, you ask an open-ended question about the last year, and he's, he'll say yes, you know, stuff like, how, did go, how was 2014? Yes. You know. But, uh, you know, I just, I'm just saying... There's going to be, for all of us, chances to step in, stand at the crossroads. Is it going to be mercy or is it going to be judgment? You know, and go in the way of the cross is the way of mercy. And that's the way that the Lord calls us to go. doesn't mean that in the end there's not judgment out there, but there is mercy for everyone who will receive it. Every single person on planet Earth that will receive it, there's mercy. There's mercy today. There's mercy for you. There's mercy for me. And I'm... Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand.